0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 26th episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, six months ago, did you ever think we would have 500 subscribers already?
1: <laughs> uh, honestly, six months ago, I was like, well, we we'll even still be doing this in six months because we kind of talked about it. We just were like, let's do a podcast. It'll be fun. We talk about Flesh Blood anyway. And I wasn't super sure we'd still be going at this point i didn't have a lot of faith and if we were i was like so so i guess no i did not expect to have 500 subscribers
0: what didn't you have faith in yourself or me?
1: me 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 i am generally pretty uh commitment avoidance
0: you are a free spirit
1: having having this weekly commitment of putting out this podcast and like i don't know we've done it every week for half a year it's kind of crazy
0: and now we're obligated to keep doing it for forever probably now or as long as we have a patreon going because news flash we have a patreon now and we weren't exactly sure if we were going to make one for a while but after discussing it we realized that there's kind of a gap for a type of unique coverage that i don't think anybody else is uh, doing at the moment which is really in-depth replay analysis going through Flesh and Blood games. And it makes sense why there's not currently anybody doing it just because it's very time intensive. And it's probably for a very specific subset of Flesh and Blood players who are really trying to learn and understand the game at the highest levels. And so we put out the first episode of the World Championship Finals of Michael Hamilton winning spoilers. And we broke down every single play in the game, every pitch, every hand, Thought through the lines, and I think it turned out really well, actually. So I encourage everybody to check that episode out, and if you like it, feel free to become a patron over on patreoncom mnrcast because it will be patron exclusive content for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, and we're planning to put one out every week for the foreseeable future, also. So kind of stepping up our content creation game. Uh, how do you feel about our hitting 26 episodes and 500 subscribers, kind of hitting two pretty big benchmarks at the same time?
0: I'm just thankful that we got those six sleeves because you winning all those events would not have been nearly as impactful if we weren't ripping those podcast sleeves, you know? Who knows how many subscribers we would have without them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's true. It was very good timing on getting the sleeves just before, like a little before Nationals, I think. I think Nationals was the first tournament we played with
0: them. Anything else you want to say about it before we move on? Then
1: I guess thank you to everyone that has been listening and subscribed, and the people that have joined our Patreon already. Also, thank you to all of you guys. It's and also just thank you to everyone who just like comments and likes the video and stuff. It, it feels very validating to just like read comments and people that like appreciate the content.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And on that note as well, I think we forgot to mention up to this point, we also have a Discord and It's open to the public, anybody can join. Patrons will just get exclusive roles in the Discord and access to additional channels and content that other people in the Discord won't, but I'll be sure to link both the Discord and our Patreon in a comment or the description of this video, or you can also find them on Twitter if you're an audio only listener. And then last but not least about Patreon, there's an exclusive tier that nobody has signed up for yet, which is for $70 a month, you can get a one-on-one coaching session with the Michael Hamilton once a month. Uh, He will sit down with you for an hour and walk you through a game, watch one of your replays. I just do whatever it takes to help you step up your flesh and blood game, but he should probably tell you more about that since it'll be his coaching sessions, huh?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm offering coaching. If people would like to sign up for that Patreon level, we'll reach out to you and set up a, time that works for both of us and if you are interested and want to talk to me before signing up for it you can just always message me about that or leave a comment on the YouTube video or send me a message on Twitter or discord or whatever and we'll set that up but basically what it's gonna be is I think the best way to do it would be going through a replay together I would prefer to do that method but I'm again if you want something specific we can talk about it but go through a replay of yours together talk everything through talk through what you were thinking talk through your sideboard plans and spend about an hour going through that and that would be uh yeah that's be what you get and you get that once a month and yeah you should sign up if that's something you're interested in
0: very well put michael excited <laughs> so i try so the main topic of the cast day though is our first impressions on the new dynasty set And it seems to have had quite the impact, because if you told me before Dynasty came out, we'd be talking about Bolton, Azalea, and Reinar all being potentially tier one decks, and Dash also cementing herself as a tier one deck after this past weekend, I would have thought you're crazy. There's no way one set could have that big of an impact on the meta. And yet, here we are.
1: I still think you're crazy. I don't think Azalea is going to be tier one, even though she got uh, some nice upgrades.
0: Have you played against her at all yet? Uh,
1: I have not. I have not.
0: Because I would say in my testing so far on playing a lot of Talishar, she's actually the hero I've struggled into the most out of all the heroes I listed. Consistent dominate with her hero ability by setting up arrows on top of her deck and the unique arrows that just came with Dynasty. Mostly Drill Shot and Heatseeker being the two main impactful ones. And I would actually give the nod to Drill Shot as being more impactful than Heatseeker just because... You don't realize how much having the option and the reliance on your blocking equipment taken away from you at a time that you don't necessarily want to be blocking with them. And then also when it has the aim counter, it's not even efficient to be blocking with them. So it just feels like she just is able to bring heroes down to her non-blocking equipment level, (laughs) which is an interesting dynamic that she previously didn't have access to before Mm -hmm. it's fair
1: i have not played against any azalea since the or since the new set came out i've honestly been taking a little bit of time after worlds kind of taking a break
0: yeah i'm just too excited about all these sweet cards so i just keep jamming but yeah like believe me if if i was on the fence and didn't think azalea would actually be good i would still be ranger hater i'm not predisposed to loving or being a ranger fan by any stretch of the imagination but i have been actually very impressed by azalea's play pattern so far
1: i don't know i feel like the first moment you read three of a kind you're like rangers have to be broken
0: it doesn't even play three of a kind from what i see anymore
1: but yeah it's it's hard to use that card without voltaire
0: yeah i do like drawing cards but that's just not the way to go about it i guess speaking of drawing cards i think one of the more disappointing cards in the set will be crown of dominion at least for me so far it just feels like the royal payoff isn't there and really what that card should say is you may put one cash in in your deck for free
1: if you're just getting the gold token out of it and you're not getting any value out of being a royal it's definitely hard to be better than crown of providence and even like arcanized gold caps almost always better than one extra gold token so you kind of really need to be doing something with the UR Royal text and the three Imperial items are probably not strong enough.
0: No, I was very excited about uh, Imperial Ledger. Just the fact that it was free and it could be this repeatable way to make gold. And then I realized neither the item nor the action on the item have go again. So they both require a whole action point You need a, in order to set up and use that card which is asking a lot for one gold
1: (laughs) yeah instead of being a one or a one card for a gold it ends up being one card and two action points to get your gold which is not a great deal even one card for a gold doesn't sound amazing but it like it pays for one cash and so one draw two so you just essentially be trading two cards for two cards it's still not that good but especially when you have to spend these two extra
0: action points on it it's just Ugh, rough yeah i wonder if it would be too good if if you were a royal you may activate this ability as an instant so it still takes the action point to play but being able to at instant speed make a gold would i don't even think it would be broken necessarily because you can't use the gold at instant speed right it's an action in order to break it and it would just allow you to play an extra cash in potentially and the only way wor- world where that matters is with kano to the best of my knowledge at the moment
1: yeah i could see it being strong in kano to just like help extend your bigger turns by having uh having cash in turned on
0: yeah that's been the primary use case for crown of dominion that i've seen so far is just people trying out royal kano and i'm not convinced that it's better than ragamuffin's hat which is saying something <laughs>
1: Hey, Ragamuffin's hat's really strong with Aether Wildfire.
0: Yeah, like exactly. That That's what I'm there. saying. It's very good. Yeah, but one of those cards is Draft Chaff, and one of those cards is supposed to be the new Premier Legendary from the set. So hopefully we get some more cool royal payoff. Hopefully there are other uh, monarchies, I guess, uh, in the world of Wraith, but I guess we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, and this could be something similar to uh, the Silver Palms from Everfest, where this, these card effects might be more aimed at... PVE and multiplayer, so we will, we will have to see.
0: That's fair. Yeah, that could be definitely something that I hadn't considered yet. So I guess we'll have to see. But I guess up next we'll talk about my personal favorite legendary from the set that I've had a roller coaster of emotions on, which is Spirit of Arena, the new light warrior legendary, and it basically says that when this card is charged, instead of going to your soul. Or sorry, not even when it's charged. When the card is put into your soul from anywhere, instead it goes onto the battlefield. And then it just has a static ability on the battlefield of you can play Lumina Ascension at instant speed.
1: Yeah, so the main thing this does is your Lumina Ascension goes plus one action point when this is in play, right? Because uh, you don't, like, you don't spend an action point to play, and then it has go again, so you go, you spend zero action points to play, and then you get an action point when it resolves. You you were talking about an interaction with Via the Vanguard. you want to talk about that?
0: Yeah, so it used to be really awkward when you're trying to play Via the Vanguard on your Lumina Ascension turns, because Via the Vanguard says that for each light card that's charged this turn, attacks on this combat change get plus one power. For each card that was charged this way. And so if you take a non-attack action and break the combat chain to play Lumina Ascension when it's not an instant, via the manguard's not buffing any of your attacks anymore. So you couldn't play it after you've done it. And critically, Lumina Ascension says all of your weapon attacks this turn get plus one power. And when they hit, put a card in your soul. That's that's just always on the card. But in order to attack with the weapons additional times, you need to have charged. So It didn't make sense to play Luminous Ascension before you would play Via the Vanguard for the charge, and it didn't make sense to play it after the Via the Vanguard because you would be breaking the combat chain and losing all the future buffs from Via the Vanguard. But Spirit of Brunia just cleanly fixes that interaction while also giving Via the Vanguard then a pseudo-go again. Because since it's being played at instant speed, you don't need to use a card in your soul or Snapdragon scalers or anything else. You're just generating that action point through other means then, which is very, very, very strong so far, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And the fact that a lot of the time when you're getting this spirit in play, you're just charging it anyway. So you're not you're not losing a real like, you're not losing a full card, you're just spending a card that would be in your soul. Otherwise, that's and that's usually gonna turn a card in your soul is usually gonna turn into one action point and this is gonna turn into two or potentially three over the course of the game is pretty nice. And with those other upsides, this it seems like it has potential to be pretty powerful and shape and uh
0: change how Bolton decks play. It's interesting because I thought this would not be the most impactful in Raiden and be more impactful for Sabres, but after playing a good amount of Bolton over the past few days, I actually think it's the opposite where Sabers doesn't necessarily need to have the V of the Vanguard stuff going on on the combat chain for it to do its thing. It was just already a very inherently powerful thing. So if you're just getting the charge card for the term being V the vanguard when you're going off your opponent's just super dead instead of being the regular amount of dead they were before you were comboing like it pushes your damage (laughs) threshold from like 30 in the 30s ranges to like easily like 40s to 50s depending on if you're charging one or two cards and what other context of the game is going on so it's just more of a win more in sabers it winds up being but when you're just playing the raiden game just getting that free action point to conserve cards in your soul and just get those extra hits in with Raiden here and there, especially as like a pseudo combat trick at that point, then it's actually really impactful. And there are also lots of times where in Bolton, you know, you would lead with an engulfing light or one of your charge cards that don't naturally have go again. And the issue would be that your opponent is super incentivized to not block them then with attack action cards, because then that would push up their power one and you'll be able to use Bolton's hero ability to give them go again. Whereas if they don't block it, they're just at their mopey base three power. You can't use Bolton's hero ability to give them go again and you only get one use of Snapdragon Scaler. So there'd be a lot of times where you want to play Luminous Ascension after your charge card and you just couldn't because your charge card didn't have go again and they weren't pumped by any other means. But now Ernia just fixes that where if they don't have go again, you just then flash in your Luminous engine after they've resolved or done their thing, and you can just keep going with your turn as you need to, because obviously when you start swinging with Raiden, after you've charged, it has buffed power, and you're just getting in those attacks using Bolton's go-again uh, hero ability from there. So I think the biggest thing that I've struggled into with Bolton has been, one, Azalea, the very disruptive on-hits like Red in the Ledger and Remorseless are obviously not things that he can deal with easily, if at all, <laughs> especially with the dominate effects that are tacked onto them with her Azalea's Hero ability. And then two, I, I guess I haven't played it because nobody's excited about mobile old Icelander anymore because she didn't get any <laughs> new tools. I don't think she got a single new card from the set the more I think about <laughs> it. But I'd be skeptical if he could ever beat the frostbitey taxing kind of effects. I think he might be okay in old time, but I am super skeptical into Icelander in particular.
1: Yeah, and instant speed hypothermia against Bolton seems very, very rough as well. None of his stuff naturally has go again. You charge, or you remove your card from your soul, or you charge to give take flight go again or whatever, and then hypothermia just shuts it all down.
0: Yeah, Spirit of Marenia helps you get one action point back, because obviously if you're just getting the action point by playing the Lumen at instant speed, hypothermia doesn't matter as much then, but mm-hmm. you first have to have the Spirit of Urania in play and it's still only netting you one extra action point and turning off Bolton's hero ability for the rest of the turn. So it's definitely still seems like a nightmare matchup. On the, on top of which, just I, I would say that not even Hypothermia in that instance would be the more impactful card, but just giving Bolton a frostbite. <laughs> <laughs> he really does not want to pitch for his cards uh, because they all mostly cost zero and he's already being slightly card inefficient by having to put cards in his soul. So asking him to put a card in his soul, pitch a card, and play cards is asking already for three cards out of his hand. And that doesn't leave a lot of cards left over to do anything else. So
1: Yeah, that's, that's fair. I think despite getting no new cards, I expect icelander to be solid into a lot of the decks that seem like they are going
0: to be good in this meta game so i think she's just going to turn into the fun police
1: yeah everyone's trying to do sweet stuff and then icelanders over here ruining it all
0: yeah just like how about you have no cards in your hand and i'll just kill you from 10 life out of nowhere cool thanks yeah i wouldn't be surprised if icelander is still the best deck but i guess we'll see so i guess that can lead us into the other hero i mentioned at the beginning And I think it could actually be a very bad matchup for Icelander, which is Reinar. Reinar has been doing disgusting things to me on Talishar. It's not super consistent, I would say, so far from what I've seen. And I think good lists still need to be fleshed out. But I've seen Reinar present like 35 damage turns now with the new card Savage Beatdown, where... You can only play it if you've discarded a 6 or um six or higher power card during the turn. It costs 3, and as an additional cost to play it, you also have to discard a random card. So it's asking a lot of you already, but if you discard a card with 6 or more power, it's coming in for 12 at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And then when you combine that with any other effects like Blood Rush Bellow and Barraging Beatdown, it's presenting like 20 to... I don't know, I think I've seen it go from, like... Obviously, if if you're just getting plus 2, then that's putting it at 14, but I've seen it as high as, like, 20 damage, which is quite a lot of damage when you don't have any cards in your hand at that point.
1: Bloodrush Bellow discarding a 6-power thing into Claw and a Savage Beatdown ends up costing 4 cards, and you get 19 damage out of it, because you get 5 from the Claw and 14 from the Savage Beatdown. And you're also getting 2 Intimidates, making it pretty hard for them to block how they want to. So I think this card's definitely a real solid threat and definitely makes the ceiling of Reinar turns a lot higher when i first read this card i thought it might be more of a fright than a card that could actually get there because it's just like look we're doing this broken thing if I, everything lines up perfectly but i think like reinar is naturally just discarding sixes and it's not like they can just have a popper afterwards and you're not relying on your opponent to do anything specific other than not disrupt your four card hand which is reasonable. Five cards I think you need five cards to play this with most cards, but like Blood Rush Bellow, you can play this with a four card hand pretty easily. Even a three card hand if you use a tuna counter.
0: Yeah. And speaking of tuna counter, you don't even need a tuna counter if you discard one of the other two really impactful majestics from the set, which is which is Skullcrack, which says that whenever it's randomly discarded, you just get a free resource. Those kind of incidental value cards that reinar could get access to could really push him into solidly tier one eventually because that is just rewarding him for doing the thing that he wants to be doing anyways on top of his hero ability that is already also rewarding him for doing the type of things that he wants to be doing anyways Mm -hmm. so i think it's a really unique design space and i'm pretty excited to see that card being printed
1: yeah and then like this in combination with like Pulp Big and Wild Ride, where if you could like pitch a blue, play one of those, discard Skullcrack and Swing Club, that's a two card ten? 2 card eleven. So I think there is uh definitely some potential with like Reinar getting so many powerful cards that just fit what he's trying to do.
0: And then on top of Berserk, which is just letting him just replace the cards in his hand that he's discarding too, which is another way for him to kind of recoup the value of having so many of his cards requiring him to have these discard effects, obviously.
1: Yeah. Berserk's kind of a little, kind of a little bit rough because it costs a resource. And most of the time, like if you discard one six power card, you draw less than one card on average. You draw one times whatever ratio of your deck is six powers, whatever the ratio of six power cards in your deck is. So like one resource in a card to draw a card is like not a very good Deal so I think, I think Berserk's gonna struggle unless we have ways to discard multiple cards and or stack the top of our deck with Reinar. But and then it being a yellow instead of a blue was also not great. So I, I don't I don't expect Berserk to see a lot of play. But I think Skullcrack and Savage beat down both seem very good. Yeah, that's
0: fair. And then do we want to talk now onto the? battle-hardened winner over the weekend, this sick dash list. So why don't you do the honors, Michael? This is your forte. Why don't you please read us Rose Smith's battle-hardened winning dash list? All
1: right, so for equipment, there's Achilles Accelerator, Crown of Providence, Goliath Gauntlet, Teclo Foundry Heart, Teclo Plasma Pistol, and Vizier Model I. At red, there's two Bios Update, three Combustible Courier, two Fate scene, three High Octane, one High Speed Impact, Two induction chamber, three maximum velocity, two payload, two plasma purifier, three pulse wave harpoon, three sink below, three T-bone, three throttle, three unmovable, three zero to sixty, and three zipper hit. At yellow, there's one dissolution sphere, three spark of genius, one throttle, three zero to sixty, three zipper hit. And at blue, there's one high speed impact, two magnetic shockwave, three T-bone, three Teclocore, three TecloPounder. Three throttle, three zero to 60, three zipper hit. So there's several new cards in this deck, right? Bios Update and Pulse Wave Harpoon?
0: Yeah, those are the two big ones. Unfortunately, there's no. No mech suit. <laughs> unfortunately, there's no Nitroid Mechanoids floating around in this deck list. But who knows? Maybe somebody else will figure out a sweet way to incorporate them into a dash deck soon. Mm-hmm. And then the other card that I'm a little surprised not to see is Hanabi Blaster, I guess. Maybe it's just not consistent enough still to warrant a spot over pistol in any matchups. Hanabi Blaster being the card where whenever you boost three or more times in a turn, you put a counter on it, and then you remove a counter for on it, and then you remove a counter on it, and it gets it's just a fight power attack.
1: Yeah, um, I honestly I'm kind of surprised not to see Hanabi Blaster in the list. I think like in a lot of the aggro mirrors, it seems more efficient than pistol, but maybe that's not necessarily true. I don't know.
0: Yeah, neither of us are Dash experts, to be fair. Because
1: <laughs> every, every other turn getting a zero-cost attack, or five, doesn't seem like that much needs to be going right for that to be pretty good. But yeah, definitely I'm not
0: a Dash expert. Yeah, and then I guess if we look to the first new inclusion then in the deck, which is Bios Update, which is kind of like what we were talking about, Reinar. It's another card that just is rewarding Dash for doing the thing that Dash wants to be doing anyways. <laughs> so... <laughs> just giving you extra bonuses and incentives for boosting on the turn is on top of just giving your next attack plus three power it's just a solid card that I'm not surprised to see here and then there's a card that I'm very surprised they printed okay it's pulse wave harpoon have you, have you have you read this card
1: I have I have so when this attacks you to look at they have to reveal X cards from their hand X is the number of times you boost this combat chain. And you can choose an action card with defense less than or equal to X and add it to the chain link as a defending card. So basically, if you have boosted three times counting this card, they have to reveal three cards from their hand and you get to choose one of those cards. Then it's forced to block this card, basically. So kind of reminds me of Dominia a little bit where you're basically just like getting rid of a card from their hand.
0: Yeah, that's messed up. There's like, I mean, even if we just look at a fact like blue brain freeze, the conditional one for getting a zero cost card out of Dex hands, we can see that just completely ruining decks ability to function on certain turn cycles. And just making that being able to grab any card was going to be a major problem for a lot of decks.
1: Yeah. And also the fact that this is a card that comes at the end of the chain rather than the start of the chain it means that like you can't sequence your blocks knowing you're going to be pulse wave harpoon so like every turn when they have a like a three card hand the dash player or a four card hand may lead with a boost card then you're just kind of in that awkward spot where you're like do I need to block in a way that if they end on pulse wave harpoon i don't get destroyed or and sometimes you won't even be able to do that you know you're just like the only way you can really play around it is using your whole hand for defense yeah and that's not that's gonna be, that's Very tough for some of the aggro decks specifically to work around.
0: Or even let's say you decided to block with a couple of cards where you're like, "Hmm, okay, I'll block with like this first attack or block for six across the two combat chains. It's okay. I still have this two card hand and I'm planning on, you know, having this pretty efficient turn with these two cards and, you know, we're racing. We're doing a normal flesh and blood type of game kind of thing. I'm going to swing back my wounded bull. I got it. And then all of a sudden they end on Pulse Wave Harpoon and they take your blue out of your hand and now you just have a red Wounded Bull in your hand and you're like, hmm, well, I guess you could then, then i choose to block with the Wounded Bull as well. So you have not declared your blocks yet, so you still have an opportunity to block with your then ruined hand, but still that's not obviously as impactful or as good as obviously using your cards the way you want to.
1: <laughs> yeah, and... On the other side of the thing, if you keep an extra blue to make sure you'll be able to play Wounded Bowl, no matter what blue they take, then they take your Wounded Bowl and you're left with two blues. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation. So, definitely a very powerful card, and due to these new powerful inclusions that I'm not surprised at all to have seen Dash one over the past weekend. Yeah.
1: Jumping back to Bios update, I I think like, 0 for 3 is like fine. It doesn't cost your action point. It's not like amazing, but anytime you just like Flip a Teklo Pounder into play, like that's just six extra damage you're getting off of your card. So, it has the potential to be a very, 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 very
0: strong card. Yeah, it's kind of a high variance spec. card in that regard because there's not usually a lot of ways to like ensure what you're gonna be drawing is on top of your deck, but or what you're boosting. Sorry, is gonna be the item that you want from your deck. But yeah, definitely, like you said, when you do get that value, it's just insane.
1: Dash, definitely a deck to look out for. Sadly, there's no no Nitro Mechanoid in this list, but we'll see. There's still... I think there is still a chance that that card might get there. It's definitely
0: cool. <laughs> have you played any games with or against the Assassin Hero yet, though?
1: I have not. Again, I am mostly not been playing since I got back. I've looked at a lot of cards and listened to some discussions that I haven't played with anything. That's fair. You're
0: allowed to ride off into the sunset. In fact, if you never wanted to play a game of Flesh and Blood again, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't be too sad about that.
1: Oh. well, I uh, plan to play more Flesh and Blood in my life.
0: Unlucky. (laughs) Anyways. So, Arachne is... I don't know... Sorry. So, Arachne is still... A weird hero to evaluate in the context of the meta and what her current card pool is. So there's obviously this inherent tension between her wanting to play like this long control game because her damage output on her turns isn't necessarily the highest. That's not really what she's focused on doing. She's not trying to just push as much damage as obviously like an aggressive deck or a briar or something like that. And... But she's also not as good at like strict defense either than the more controlling heroes like Old Time. So she's definitely more of like this, she definitely slants towards more of this mid range build. And you have to get to that late game for like these fatigue kind of setups for the cards you banish to really matter. So I guess when I've been playing against it with Bolton, for example, we get to the end game and Arachne still has like 30 cards in their deck, and I have eight cards in my deck, but I'm <laughs> able to combo together a really good V the Vanguard turn to push through those last few points of damage, and there's nothing Arachne can really do to interact with me once I'm going off, other than leave no witnesses. It's a good effect to disrupt arsenals, but that's about it. So yeah, it just kind of leaves her in this awkward spot where she needs to be taking damage in order to playing to be playing her like attacks and attack reactions and doing all of the things she wants to be doing, but also wanting to go to this hyper long end game for her banishes to be super impactful.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. She does seem like she's in a kind of weird, or they I think weird I said spot. she too, Sorry.
0: whatever gender this assassin is.
1: Yeah. They, they, they do seem like they're in a really weird spot. I think leave no witnesses is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting of just, can play it out off a one card hand and it's threatening their arsenal and it's a zero for four it's similar to like snatch from briar or any other aggro deck where they can have a recently solid one card hand but i think outside of that she's in a weird spot where she doesn't have the best one card hands but she doesn't have any of her hero ability or they i'm sorry
0: yeah you're not to, to apologize to me i'm not going to assassinate you for getting my gender wrong
1: they do not do they don't have the most disruption built into their hero. They have a little bit through their hero power of looking at their top card, but that usually will just be removed by their banishing effects anyway to get contract. They have kind of recursive equipment similar to the warrior legs that Kasai plays in Blitz. Uh, what are the warrior legs called? Valiant Dynamo? Yeah, similar to Valiant Dynamo, where like you're blocking with this equipment and they're coming back at the start of your turn, so you can like kind of get recursive block value out of your armor. But like intrinsically, they're not like super defensive and they don't have a lot of disruption. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of line up against the aggro decks and like kind of get to that point where you're as their as their opponent, you're running out of cards and potentially dying to fatigue instead of uh, just running them over, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I will say that the weapon spider bite is more impactful and a lot better than I first gave it credit for where when I first read it, I was like, whatever, this doesn't seem that good. It's just one damage for two resources, not very efficient. Sure, it can't be blocked by equipment very easily because it has that piercing effect, so whatever. But that on-hit ability, where when it hits a hero, the next time they defend with one or more action cards this turn, the cards have... I'm sorry, attack action cards this turn, those cards have minus one power. It kind of just generates that Bolton effect where it makes blocking miserable with your attack if you have like a handful of attack action cards mm-hmm. and that's kind of how she gets into like those hyper racing situations because her weapon specifically says like well you don't want to block me and I'm going to try to banish cards from you and your opponent just goes like oh okay I'm not going to block you because you have a billion attack reactions <laughs> and I can't block you effectively anymore because of these spider bites. So I guess just no blocks to your four damage. Sure. I'll take seven. You can banish two or three cards out of my deck. Sure. And then I'll just come back and present 15 damage and I've won that turn cycle. And then you just repeat that until you get to the end of the game. You get to the game states. Like I talked about where sure I have eight cards in my deck and you have 30, but you're dead. So.
1: So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I I don't know how you fix or, like, make Spider Bite. Like, Spider bite's not necessarily threatening enough against these aggro decks that were, like, I wasn't going to block you anyway. You can banish a card from the top of my deck. I'm just going to try to kill you before I empty. Yeah. So, and then also looking at Spider Bite from, like, the the defensive heroes. Like, if you look at Oldheim or Icelander, Oldheim has a lot of tools to deal with this through Crown of Seeds, through Earth React, through just blocking the, the actual card with the actual card with equipment or attack or non-attack actions. So Oldheim's not, like, overly threatened by Spider's Bite. And then Isolator doesn't really care about the on-hit trigger because she's not going to defend with attack action. not deck deck actions. Not attack Her many non-attack yeah, actions. Yeah, I guess
0: it makes less incentive for so, you to have, like, blue Winner's Grasp in your deck anymore if you particularly want to play around it. But even then, that's, like, super marginal at best.
1: Yeah, Winner's Grasp and Brother in Arms both kind of get got by this a little bit. Again, that's such a small portion of her deck, but, like, the so Spider's Bite I don't think is that...
0: And you'll have I believe Icelander will find a different way to use those blue resources somewhere else. I think I think I think she can
1: <laughs> somehow.
0: Find a way. So again, I, I think
1: the assassin is very cool. And I think there might be something there. It just might take a little while to figure out how to make it work. I also think they will probably struggle a lot against Dromai with a lack of uh, natural poppers and also none of their on hits triggering yeah dragged. that would make a lot
0: of sense and a lot of the attack reactions look pretty bad in the face of obviously then a lot of defense reactions so you try to push through these contracts or you're on hits against dromai by playing attack reaction and they're like okay i had a million defense reactions anyways you still do no damage i'll make an ash pass and you're like oh oops and then on top of which none of her cards have natural go again they're looking to get go again through black tech whisperers their legendary piece of equipment but that attack reaction has to hit a hero to get go again. And since she has no other good ways to get go again on her attacks, she just doesn't have a lot of ways to just deal with not only just like the regular old dragons, but just even the whelps seem like they could be problematic for her in the long run. Yeah. Well,
1: the whelps are problematic for a lot of heroes. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. And I, think, I think, like I was saying earlier, the lack of natural poppers that like fit into her strategy pretty well is also gonna make that tougher. Like if you're playing you could play like Erase Face, CNC, even like final' Fighting Spirit potentially, but none of those cards like naturally fit super well into the Assassin's game plan where they're not like contract cards, they're not banishing things. They're just like good cards. But I don't think that's enough to get her there or get them there. <laughs> ah, I'm struggling so bad. I feel so bad. About you're gonna
0: this. get assassinated so bad, Michael.
1: Mm-hmm. Alright. Any I guess We should probably touch on ninjas, too. Ninjas got a lot of interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, katsu, kitty cat katsu. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So So I've been hearing mixed things about this deck where some people are like, it's broken. It deals a million damage in one turn. And some people are like, yeah, it's terrible. It can't beat anything except for like hyper linear decks when it does its thing. So I have not played with or against it very much. I haven't played with it at all, but I played against it like maybe one or two times, and it didn't seem all that crazy to me. But who knows? Yeah, I'm definitely
1: on the side of it not seeming that good, but I think there's been a lot of buzz about it, so I kind of wanted to touch on it. Tiger Stripe, if they just say they're not going to block anything this turn, and you go. Like Art of War or Roar the Tiger, and then you play some Crouching Tigers, then you play Tiger Swipe, and your Tiger Swipe doesn't get blocked. Then you play some more crouching tigers, then you play another Tiger Swipe that doesn't get blocked, then you play like a million more tiger or a million more crouching tigers. That seems very, very powerful. But what if they just block the tiger stripe tiger swipe? And what if you just don't have a five card hand because they threatened you so you couldn't keep your five card hand?
0: Yes, those are all things that can not happen.
1: <laughs> I'm just not a not a big believer right
0: now. Yeah, I guess it's also unfortunate that like, well, I guess, I'm oh, sorry, a, a kudos to the deck of props to it would be that at least you can tutor them up since since both Mask of the Pouncing Lynx and Katsu's hero ability can get Tiger Swipe. So it is definitely easier to set up the combo than it necessarily would be otherwise. But again, at the end of the day, you're still trying to put together this super go wide strategy. And then if you're playing Mask of the Pouncing Lynx, that means you don't have Mask of Momentum to reward that super go-wide strategy as much. And Tiger Stripe Shuko is oddly not the best card to be playing with all these tiger cards because it's only buffing your one or your second attack that has less than two power. It's not really rewarding you for going the super wide way that this combo is leading you towards. So you're basically looking to cards like Art of War and Roar of the Tiger in order to give these like power to do anything, which is not the best place to be.
1: Yeah, I guess I will say that Stubby Hammers with these cards would be
0: kind of crazy. Oh, yeah, Stubby Hammers would be mongers to have around right now. Cause then, like, if you could Stubby Hammers and do like Roar of the Tiger or Art of War and turn these all into like all two powered attacks. Yeah, Katsu would probably be broken.
1: <laughs> no, you don't need that many crouching tigers before this is looking pretty good when you do. It, when you have two of the anthems.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think they'll be real cautious about Art of War effects like that going forward. And we even saw that in Dynasty where Uprising only boosts your first four attacks.
1: Yeah, I very could very easily could have said all of your Draconic Chain Links this turn.
0: Yeah, or Spreading Flames having the requirement for the attacks to have to have less base power than the number of chain links than you have in order to get just one power as well so i I don't expect them to put a lot of more of these like buff all attacks unconditionally for the turn effects in the game because things can get pretty out of hand now
1: (laughs) and it makes sense how ninjas are playing a bunch of these small attacks it does feel very ninja-y i was before we got assassin i was like kind of worried that assassin would have a lot of overlap with ninjas but i think like the way they did it it makes a lot of sense and they they both like are going or they both play very differently it's like the opposite almost where assassins have like one big true strike and then just have like a bunch of little strikes
0: i just wonder if like is the contract mechanic like inherent to all assassins or is it just something that's only unique to like some of them i guess like I'm interested to see what the future design space of assassins is going to be.
1: Yeah, I I think it's something that's going to be kind of like, it's like the base, like whereas like combo is kind of like the base for ninjas, but we could see a ninja that doesn't really use combo very much. Like, Fi doesn't use combo, but still feels very ninja-y. I would expect that assassin, it would fall somewhere similar to that.
0: But like their identity is going to be based around like banishing your opponent's like cards from deck. then? I don't know. Do you think like that's their inherent identity then or like because like what Fi and katsu both have in common is like these go wide combat chains and you know like what bolton and dorinthia have in common is that they both want to be attacking with their weapons a bunch and what all the rune blades have in common is that they're all broken so like what's going <laughs> to <laughs> unite all the assassins together
1: i i think it'll probably have something to do with like disrupting your opponent's library and a lot of lack of natural go again and maybe maybe i don't know maybe maybe it's the silver and the contract stuff will be copied out assassins. It'll be interesting to see what the next assassin plays like.
0: You have to pay the assassins in silver. They don't take copper, and they can't take gold. They only take silver payments. Well, the,
1: the two equipment they got only take silver right now. They're like, the gold uses to them, Coppers uses to them, only silver pays for their gear. So
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's just like, Arachne, I'd like to pay your contract with gold, please. And they're like, no.
1: No, I only take silver, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice try. <laughs>
1: Alright, so there's some Guardians and some illusionist stuff that we could touch on, but none of that stuff's very exciting.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, like, and the rest of the set kind of feels (laughs) underwhelming, just being honest. Like, I guess we can touch on, like, Guardian. They have this weird shield setup thing to remove minus counters from things for some reason at the cost of, like, a million resources and action points doesn't seem super impactful.
1: They got this new card buckle, your next Guardian attack this turn is plus one attack dominate when this hits a hero destroy any equipment they control with a minus one counter on it. And it's a blue three cost three block. I think this card's probably going to be a three of it every Anathos deck, but like the amount of times you're casting it's probably still going to be pretty low. Will it? Will it be a three of it every Anathos deck? Yeah. I think so. I think like the like it's bad Terra Sunder, but Terra Sunder is a th- like you'd play like. Ten Terra centers if you could. So like
0: Yeah, Terra center is insane because it like wins the game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe it maybe it won't be in every Anathos stack It just like plays nicely, but like how often do you care about killing an equipment with a minus one counter on it? Care a lot if it's a big mech suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's about it, I guess they think just block with the mech suit then yeah i
0: don't i don't know interesting i saw this comment on twitter that's about the mech suit is that it's not a once per turn action so you can just kind of like keep attacking with it as long as you have the action points just spewing off all the cards oh which is kind that's kind of
1: sick it's like a so like you can do the work yeah. to get your get your mech mechanoid out and then and then once you've done all the work to do that you can do a bunch of work to get a bunch of action points then combo off and kill them
0: yeah it makes sense with like the um overdrive card right that gives you the action points when you boost anyways so it's a nice little other payoff reward for that card and then illusionist feels like it's just a plant for a future set because i don't understand how dromai is supposed to use any of these Uh, she got like her three ash cards which might see some play and just kind of like firmly cement like her hyper long six cycle (laughs) game plan of giving your very specific dragons no Uh phantasm so that's good but anything like all these Ward cards like they're super interesting i just don't see how to use them at the moment
1: i i agree with that i think that we i don't know it's really weird how they work because like you have ward at the start of the game but how are you not going to take damage from the start of the game and if right. and if you're not taking damage from the start of the game as your opponent you're just playing the game <laughs> like because it still needs to be like interesting to play against so I don't
0: know. yeah i don't i don't know how exactly it's going to work out i imagine that eventually there could be like a ward matters illusionist mm-hmm. which would be kind of interesting. Yeah, and-
1: Maybe there's an illusionist whose hero power kind of like removes ward from things or makes like somehow interacts with these ward keywords to make it not just like instantly die when they get popped. Or like maybe the first time a ward thing would die, you can do something to bring it back. Cause that kind of seems like a pretty cool combo with the Celestial Kimono. If like Celestial Kimono says once per turn when celestial kimono or a non-token permanent you control with ward is destroyed, gain a resource and it has ward one. So like if they have a way to or gain one resource. So if they have a way to like bring it back the first time it's popped, you're like getting your one life and then you're like recurring this value piece. That would be kind of a kind of interesting design
0: space. Yeah, for sure. But like I said, we don't know. That's purely hypothetical. So as it stands right now, there are definitely a bunch of cards that are in the set and are there.
1: And we don't know what they're for. Uh, what about Suraya? Suraya, the big angel?
0: Oh, I don't understand that card either. Okay. Just because, like, it also has ward right, and it has ward four, sure, but, like, if your opponent swings a Kadachi at you, and you can't prevent it through other means, Soraya's still dead. She's out of here. One one little rune chant, Pop. Bye-bye, Angel. Yeah. He's a very fragile Angel.
1: She is very fragile. But I think she does seem reasonably powerful if she doesn't, isn't always instantly dying to ward, so I guess we'll have to see. But attacking for
0: And importantly, her action costs two resources, so you get to pitch a yellow for your Light Illusionist, Luminaris. (laughs) We're doing it.
1: Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. She seems interesting. And
0: then I guess the last class that we haven't touched on is Runeblade.
1: Did Runeblades get cards? Oh, they did. They did. They got that weird double pitch stuff. They have, like, the a lot of their cards are, like, conditional if an attack or a non-attack or both got pitched. And the main way you do both getting pitched is you pitch, like, a yellow of one and a blue of another and have two floating. So, like... One combination that seems reasonably powerful is pitching a blue and a yellow to Cryptic Crossing, which is a uh, three-cost Runeblade attack. And it says, if an attack action and a non-attack action card were pitched to play Cryptic Crossing, it has the first time it deals damage image of any hero. They discard a card and you draw a card. So that kind of line, plus having two resources floating, kind of pairs perfectly with Pummel. And then having this super impactful on hit of they discard a card and you draw a card, that's plus two cards when it works. So something very... Pu- very worth pummeling if you can make the whole deck around it work.
0: Okay, I think that just about wraps up everything I have to say about Dynasty so far. Do you have any closing thoughts?
1: I guess we didn't talk about
0: wizards either. Oh, we didn't. No. Oh, yeah, sure, we did. We said Icelander didn't get anything, and that Kano got Crown of Dominion. That's it's oh. we, we we talked about wizards. We go. Kano
1: got some strict upgrades to some of his current cards. Where like it's just like cards he has that also have the surge keyword. Um, I don't think any of them are like. Super interesting. And then he also got Brainstorm, which is sick if we can make it work, but it kind of turns off his ability. So, because it's an instant, and if you Kano and reveal an instant, you can't, or Kano and see an instant on top, you can't do anything with it. So, I don't know. We'll see. I don't think Wizard will change super much. Kano just got some improvements with Surge, and I don't think we have the tools to make a Brainstorm combo deck right now, but I'd love to be pr- proven wrong
0: yeah that's like my dream deck if that's like a real thing where you get rewarded for drawing a million cards in a turn i'd be all about it somebody make that deck i tried it didn't want it didn't work in my first drafts i'm not a Kano expert though but as soon as somebody breaks it i'm all about that deck all right now i'm ready to wrap things up well next time when you're playing flesh and about everybody always remember mind your manners thanks for listening